Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I think the term is bricking it, isn't it? The final of Euro 2020 is today. England are in a major tournament final, as we know, for the first time in 55 years. Today we end the countdown to the final with our final Euro Championship Rewind. And of course there's only one championship left to cover. We've covered the 60s, the 70s, the early days, the eight, the four-team phase, the eight-team phase in the 80s and 1992. We covered when football came home, when France dominated, when Greece stunned the world, when Spain dominated and when Portugal picked up their first trophy. Today we're covering the first ever European Championship that had England in its final and of course we don't know the winners because the final is today. I am Jake from What If Football, this is the penultimate Euro Daily Podcast episode 35 and this is the Euro Rewind too well this year's. We are available on Acast, Amazon, Apple, Spotify and Patreon as well where you can get content after the Championships three days a week on the podcast feed for free of course and seven days a week for a small monthly donation of £3 on the Patreon feed for podcasts and video game content. So let's get stuck into 2020. So UEFA weren't done with any harebrained schemes by the outgoing underfire Michel Platini under his presidency. The 24 teams remained, of course. And uh, realising that 24 teams in a tournament probably means a restricted amount of hosts. Gone were the days where Portugal could host. Gone were the days where Sweden could host and even countries like Poland and Ukraine could combine to host. So this meant like a strict rotation of England, France, Spain, potentially Germany, Russia and Italy who uh, could feasibly host a tournament. So that in that meant that Michel Platini in 2012 suggests that 2020 being the 60th anniversary of the first ever European Championships should be played across 12 and 13 cities with host cities appointed two years later, which doesn't seem like too bad of an idea in terms of expenditure and the financial burden placed on a nation for hosting a tournament, which as we know with Russia and Brazil, some stadiums just get disused afterwards. Um, So in essence, in that respect, fine. 
in 2021 and 2020's economy and obviously the unforeseen COVID-19 pandemic, the idea seems even more daft, doesn't it? So the cities that missed out but bid were the likes of Minsk, Sofia, Jerusalem, Skopje, Stockholm, Cardiff, though all those bids were rejected. Brussels, Dublin and Bilbao were also slated, but Brussels fell down for stadium issues. They weren't able to build the stadium in time or renovate the stadium in time. And Dublin and Bilbao could not guarantee fans after, of course, the COVID pandemic. So the 12, now 11 cities prepared and they were spread from Baku in the east to Glasgow in the north and west. Seemed all of a sudden a stupid idea. So as we lined up on June the 11th, the following cities were involved. Baku, Copenhagen, London, Munich, Budapest, Rome, Amsterdam, Bucharest, St. Petersburg, Glasgow and late replacement Seville with St. Petersburg taking up Dublin's games in Group E. Another brilliant idea was the Nations League. Sing it along with me. I'm not going to sing that theme song. Brilliant for smaller nations. Brilliant for everyone, really. It rendered friendlies meaningless, even more meaningless because it played less often. And it meant more competitive fixtures and even a potential trophy at the end of it. Of course, Portugal would win that in 2019. But when you plop 12 teams into playoff paths to decide four qualifiers alongside 20 automatic qualifiers, the the idea comes a little bit diluted. Um, just put all 12 of those best placed teams in the Nations League and just make the t- tournament a 32-team tournament. We, we've we seen a tenant of, the, tenant of this tournament really ruin third place teams being able to qualify. But 32 teams for me personally wouldn't reduce the quality. Um, some of the unqualified teams were the likes of Bulgaria, Serbia, Northern Ireland, Ireland, Norway, Romania, Slovenia, Israel, Greece, Bosnia, Albania, Kosovo. None of them would have seriously diluted the pool somewhat. Covid, of course, ensured that the tournament would be postponed for a year. The playoffs um, significantly postponed as well. So in the playoffs, you've got Dominic Szoboszlai, the Hungarian hero in the playoff, winning the uh, 2-1 against Iceland in the last minute. The uh, He would be ruled out of the main tournament, of course, unfortunately. They're hanging their hope on him again in the face of a group of death featuring France, Portugal and, uh, and Germany, of course. Slovakia pips Northern Ireland after extra time after beating their southern neighbours Ireland on penalties in the semi-final. Meanwhile, Scotland needed two shootouts of their own to qualify for a first tournament in 1998, beating Israel in Hamden and Serbia, of course. And curiously, Path D meant that one of the quote-unquote smaller nations would be guaranteed a spot. North Macedonia beat Kosovo and then Georgia, who had beaten Belarus. They would qualify for the main tournament. And so with the hosts paired up at home, um, they would be guaranteed Group D, for example. England would always be playing their games at Wembley alongside alongside uh, Scotland, playing their games at Hamden. So the draw was, wasn't as exciting because most of the paperwork was done behind the scenes. So all the hosts, bar Azerbaijan and Romania, had qualified for the tournament. Of course, Ireland still would have been in a chance to qualify I still would have been a chance to play their games in Dublin, uh, pre-pandemic, of course, um, but they, of course, still didn't qualify. So Group A, what were the main takeaways from Group A? Well, Andrea Bocelli performed Ness and Dorma, which was fantastic, and we had that tiny little car that only for some reason turned up at the first match and the semi-finals, and presumably will turn up again for tonight for the final. It was fantastic anyway. Um, Italy, they weren't Italy, were they? They were high energy, they were high possession. They were undefeated for... 27 games going into the tournament they extended that unbeaten run to match 
Vittorio Pozzo's 1930 double World Cup winners um, by the end of the groups, beating Turkey, Switzerland and Wales. And, of course, not conceding a goal like a certain other team that reached the final. They were indomitable and they were inevitable. They were filled with the players from the likes of Atalanta, Sassuolo, players suited to their style. And over the course of the past few years, Serie A has got extremely more attacking, extremely more entertaining. And perhaps a facet of that is Italy doing very well in international tournaments all of a sudden again. Turkey were decided by someone pre-tournament that they were to be dark horses. I got sucked in um, previously having scheduled them for fourth place in Group A but revised that down to second and ultimately I was wrong to be suckered in with that they were poor they were handled easily by Wales and Switzerland and of course Italy in the opening match Bale didn't score he didn't, Gareth Bale wouldn't get on the, in the score sheet at the top scored three goals in 2016 of course he missed a penalty against Turkey whilst Harry Seferovic finally scored again against Turkey uh, which left Wales and Switzerland in the first game to effectively settle the group with Italy, easily through on nine points and non-conceded. All bar Italy had to travel back and forth from Baku, and the game played under serious heat in Azerbaijan. In the, in the Caucasus, there was um, was drawn one all. Kiefer Moore with that bandage, getting enough purchase on the bandage with his head, and uh, sending Wales through second, mainly because of Wales' better loss against Italy. As uh, Turkey lost, uh, Switzerland rather lost three nil to Italy. Wales only lost one nil, and they would go through on goal difference in second place to meet the runner-up of Group B in a very favourable draw. And the runner-up of Group B was rather thrown up in the air after the first game, of course. That being Denmark versus Finland, and everything around this group, around this game, of course, centred around the collapse of Christian Eriksen. Denmark's talisman was uh, suffering a cardiac arrest in the middle of the pitch. And with the power of hindsight, we can now celebrate this Danish team. We can celebrate Christian Eriksen, who we believe has made a full recovery and he's now healthy, pitched on social media. Fantastic to see. He, of course, has survived and Denmark would survive this tournament, bouncing back. Of course, they lost under the duress of the game against Finland having to be replayed that night, which is a match that should have never been replayed. But this is, of course... UEFA. The emotion continued into the next game, starting like a house on fire, and of course Denmark couldn't carry that into the second half. Picked off when Belgium relied on their bench to bring off the likes of Eden Hazard and Kevin De Bruyne. Romelu Lukaku putting in a fantastic display in that match, and on the face of it, Lukaku, De Bruyne and Belgium, they were simply inevitable, like Italy, won three from three and coasted to it really. So we go into the final game, Russia have taken a win off Finland, which leaves Denmark needing a two-goal win. And of course, favours from from Belgium in a win against Finland, which they would ultimately do very, very late on. Um, they needed a two-goal win to qualify. And with Finland's loss, a two-goal win would propel them from last place and zero points to second place and three points and a kind quarter of the draw. Mikkel Damsgaard was Christian Eriksen's successor and he was performing superbly, a superb opener that crashed against the top corner of the net in uh, from outside the box 25 yards. Andreas Christensen saw that and thought, hold my beer, bang. An even better strike moment of the tournament for me. All the catharsis that came out of that was just superb. From a neutral's point of view, the moment of the tournament for me, even now, it was a fantastic goal and a release of such as Denmark won 4-1, qualified Russia were out. Finland in their first ever tournament looked slightly lively and finishing third. They of course 
like Albania, as we discussed yesterday, were made to wait for their qualification in the other groups. Meanwhile, Switzerland did so as well, but on four points and minus one goal difference, it was fairly obvious that they were going to go through. So Group C, Netherlands were in turmoil. Ronald Koeman had left for Barcelona. The much maligned Frank de Boer was in after spells in Atlanta, Inter Milan, Crystal Palace. He was hardly a revered manager going into the tournament. And then he stuck with a 3-5-2, criticised by the Dutch fans flying a plane with a banner over training telling them to drop the 3-5-2. De Boer pressed on with a 3-5-2, wouldn't either. And it ended the first game. They were a shambles horrifically. Defensively, they were all over the shop. They lost. They managed to get through Ukraine, beating them 3-2, but had to settle for a very late goal. And uh, Denzel Dumfries, of course, the man of the moment for the Dutch, bursting onto the scene, scoring against Ukraine, scoring against Austria as well in a more simple more simple win there. Mathis de Ligt coming in in between games to shore up that defence a little bit for the Dutch as they were looking to grow into the tournament. But from that first game, I think even on the podcast, I stated after that win that they wouldn't get far. And um, of course, as we know now, they wouldn't. So Netherlands escaped the group as Italy and Belgium did um, with nine points, but far less impressively when you consider the teams that they had to beat. North Macedonia might have won zero points, but they didn't embarrass themselves. They should. A bit of quality against Austria, but Austria's quality, of course, shone through Marko and Altovic scoring a little give and go. Obviously, would be banned after that for uh, racial language used against Jani uh, Alioski and... Um, of course, David Alaba was front and centre for all that was good for Austria, providing one of the assists of the tournament for Gregoric, and um, of course, providing the assist that settled their place in the last 16, providing a corner for Julian Baumgartner in a 1-0 win. Of course, manager Franco Foda didn't know where to play him. He was sometimes being played as a sweeper, being ineffectual there, admittedly. Far better in midfield than left-back. And of course, with the 1-0 win over Ukraine, Austria went through to the last 16 in second place. Meanwhile, Ukraine, like Finland, were sweating over their participation after just one win against North Macedonia. My boy, Roman Yaramchuk, firmly on the golden boot trim, but it was wavering slightly often, seeming as though it was going to be derailed. Of course, this result meant that Switzerland were through on four points with two third-place teams on three points. You know who else was through after that? England, the mighty England. It was a good display against the lacklustre Croatia in a 1-0 win. That was one monkey off the back in particular, avenging the 2018 World Cup semi-final defeat at the hands of Croatia, of course. A very different Croatia team, so taken with a pinch of salt. The following game for England in Group D was a repeat of the 1996 group stage game, Scotland versus England at Wembley. A game blown entirely out of proportion. Gareth Southgate coming under criticism, the clamour for Jack Grealish intensifying, the clamour for anybody else intensifying, but ultimately after a nil-nil draw, four points was enough. They met Czech Republic in the final game, similarly on four points, Patrick Schick had scored a screamer from 50 yards in, in what was Scotland's first tournament game since 1998. Meanwhile, Schick was doing his best Milan Barros impression from 2004, again scoring in a 1-1 draw against Croatia. Czech, were all, Czech Republic were also through with four points going into this game. Happy to be qualified and they would ultimately lose 1-0 to England. The winner on that day, same as the winner in the first day for England, Raheem Sterling, condemned in 2014, 2016, 2018, any time really. He had scored both goals for England. He was finally getting some redemption. People didn't want him in the team, but he, was, he scored all of England's goals in the group stages, as it were. Meanwhile, Scotland had a last gasp chance to qualify for the knockout stage. The first time that they would be able to do that ever. Um, they 
All they had to do was beat Croatia at Hamden. But one Luka Modric stepped up to the plate, didn't he? Quality from a goal, quality from assist for the third goal in a 3-1 win for Croatia. Callum McGregor scoring Scotland's only goal of the tournament. The assist from Ivan, for Ivan Perisic from a corner meant that Croatia leapt above Czech Republic in second place on goal scored. But that would ultimately, as it proved, be Croatia's downfall. Dropped into the harder half of the draw with second place. Group E meant to we had to go to Spain, we had to go to Seville, and we had to go to that goddamn awful pitch at the Seville Olympic Stadium. Seville, of course, a city that has never hosted the Olympics. The pitch hampered Spain's passing game with the pitch going from the hands of uh, the local FA to the Madrid FA in a, in a hope in hell that they could uh, salvage Spain's tournament, of course, after the disasters of 2014 knocked out in the groups. 2016 and 2018 knocked out in the last 16 to Italy and less impressively Russia in the previous World Cup. And Spain were largely uninspiring. They drew 0-0 with Sweden. This drew 1-1 against Poland. Alvaro Morata not enamoured the Spanish fans at all. He was receiving death threats um, in the wake of the draw against Poland. Meanwhile, Slovakia stunned Poland. Sweden beat a turgid Slovakia who held out for the point knowing it meant... It meant qualification couldn't do so, of course. And Robert Lewandowski finally got into his groove against Sweden after equalising for Poland against Sweden. He scored goals two and three in the tournament for Poland, pulling back a two-goal lead. And permutations in the final game meant that Sweden were interchanging with Spain for first because finally Spain had found their breakthrough breakthrough at the hands of Martin Dubravka, quite literally, who decided to chuck the ball in his own net. Not the worst on goal we would see at this tournament, and again, in another game featuring Spain. The floodgates opened, Spain beat Slovakia 5-0, a win that eliminated Slovakia on goal difference, three points minus five goal difference, which meant that Ukraine were through. My boy Roman Yaramchuk still fighting. (laughs) Meanwhile... Sweden snatched first place at the death. Victor Klassen with a 94th minute winner meant that Sweden would leapfrog Spain, go into first place, get the kind of half of the draw. Meanwhile, Spain had to play Croatia in the last 16. A gimme, not a chance of it. Finland, they still had to wait for their fate to be sealed in Group F, which was, of course, the group of death. France, Portugal, Germany. Winners of the 2014 World Cup, 2016 Euros and the 2018 World Cup, the previous three major tournament winners in uh, Europe and the world, of course. But Hungary, though, they were resolute, weren't they? Portugal had to wait until the 84th minute to finally break them down, but as in doing so, they won 3-0 with Cristiano Ronaldo breaking the European Championship scoring record in the process. Four of his, three of his four goals would come from the spot, as it were. Oh, no, sorry, three of his... Hold on a minute. Yep, three of his five goals would come from the spot. Hungary even went ahead against France, but couldn't on, hold on there either without their star man Shabozlai. But still, that solid 5-3-2 formation was doing wonders with Attila Fiola heading, uh, scoring uh, the opener against France in a 1-0 win, as it seemed. But, of course, Antoine Griezmann would equalise, and France held on seemingly through there with four points after two match days. Germany, meanwhile, were a bit Jekyll and Hyde. They weren't good enough in a 1-0 loss against France, although France fairly on the precipice weren't the uh, two offside goals which could have made the scoreline look a lot worse from a German perspective and defensively for Germany in the second game all over the place they ran in four goals against Portugal 
but they did look shaky at the back. Portugal were resolute in their 4-3-3 and it just simply didn't work and it inferred England's tactics going into the last 16 against Germany at Wembley. Portugal were fortunate to win penalties against France. Benzema returning with a bang, scoring two goals at first bit, a bit of genius and of course 2-2 was the result in an insane match in Budapest penalty for Benzema, 2 for Ronaldo and the game finished 2-2 and in the final game, the final match day, every team was in every position it seemed hungry I don't think they finished they were in uh, first at any point but still every team was eliminated by France in the uh, in the knockings of the third match day Hungary occupied second for a bit Germany did and Germany ultimately would finish second six minutes away from elimination and just uh, and just three points on the clock there but Leon Goretzka equalised at the death, throwing up the love heart symbol to the Hungarian supporters in Munich. Of course, the match was marred by UEFA's rejection from the uh, Munich mayor to light up the Allianz Arena in LGBT colours, the rainbow, of course, but of course we know this is UEFA. So who were the runners and riders? Well, we'll discuss that after the 2021 trivial teaser. Welcome back. So since I'm recording these fairly quickly one after the other. I don't know who got yesterday's answer. I made it extremely difficult, so maybe there's no correct answer, but there's always one, isn't there? So the answer yesterday was Marcus Berg, of course. Of course it was. He was a striker, of course. So today I've got a centre-half here, another centre-half. He's been managed by Bruno Lage and Pep Guardiola. Some of his teammates have been Cristiano Ronaldo, Kevin De Bruyne, Harry Seferovic... Jao Felix and Sergio Aguero. I am a centre-half. I've been managed by Bruno Lage, Pep Guardiola and I've played alongside Cristiano Ronaldo, Kevin De Bruyne, Harris Seferovic, Jao Felix and Sergio Aguero. Who could I possibly be? If you think you know the answer, tweet me at whatif underscore YouTube as always and we will find out the answer on tomorrow's show which is of course a review of the final. No trivial teaser tomorrow of course because... Tomorrow is the final Euro Daily podcast of this illustrious series. <laughs> After the short break, we'll be covering the knockout phase of the tournament just gone by in 2020. Welcome back. So, could the great football continue at Euro 2020? We were already at Euro 2016's goal count in the last 16. That would be overtaken in the last 16, of course. Who were blatant the best football? Well, it was a toss-up between Italy and Belgium, wasn't it really? Both had fantastic attacks, although Belgium looked as though they might get done in the defence. England were playing tournament football, France too, but with uh, less points on the board, five points there. Spain needed a good striker, the Netherlands needed Virgil van Dijk, didn't they really? Portugal weren't great, Germany neither, but they of course had England in the last 16 and very, very good omens from that. And a quarter of a century ago, they did of course beat England in the semi-finals at Wembley. Croatia weren't the team of 2018. Austria and Ukraine were unfancied as they escaped an easy group. Meanwhile, Switzerland and Czech Republic were supposed to lay down and die in the last 16. Sweden and Denmark were considered dark horses in the kinder half of the draw, whilst Wales were also out to repeat 2016 and had a good quarter of the draw to do so. They could effectively get to the semi-finals, beating Denmark and Czech Republic. Would that happen? Well... Denmark's emotions had turned to cold, calculated, fantastic football, just as they did against Russia. They banged four goals beyond Wales, using Andreas Christensen in midfield this time to nullify them in a, 
in a lovely spot of tactical tweaking from Kasper Hulman there. Italy finally conceded, but it was too late as uh, Sasa Kalajic scored the consolation goal for Austria at Wembley. Federico Chiesa, like his father Enrico in 1996, scored in a European Championships as Italy got dragged to extra time by Austria, but beat them there 2-1. A red card changed and effectively ended the Netherlands tournament in the last 16. Mathis de Litt sent off for a handball and from there... Like in the opening game against Ukraine, the cards fell down defensively. They were all over the place. Thomas Hollesch had an inspired performance for the Czechs. Meanwhile, Patrick Schick added goals four to qualify Czech Republic to the quarterfinals for the first time since 2012, of course. And in a huge occasion, perhaps one of the biggest of the last 16, Belgium and Portugal met in Seville. And it was settled with a moment of brilliance. Tog and Hazard curling one in as Portugal were uninspiring, to say the least. And then we had Magic Monday. Oh, the fun times of Magic Monday. France and Spain both led 3-1 with 10 minutes to play, of course, yet somehow both would be taken to 120 minutes. France were irresistible. Hugo Lloris had saved a penalty from Ricardo Rodriguez to potentially put Switzerland 2-0 up, but then France just clicked into gear. Karim Benzema scored a superb double, the ingenious third first and Paul Pogba scored an absolutely incredible third goal one of the goals of the tournament for me however France well it all capitulated didn't it Harry Seferovic scored another header he was on target for the third time at the tournament and then Gavranovic saved Switzerland capitalising on the weaknesses of Paul Pogba and Presnel Kumpembe and it went all the way to penalties Kylian Mbappe missed a penalty there was uproar in the stands Adrian Rabiot's mother wasn't having the best of times of it they were there was disquiet in the French camp, and that is not the, the first time we have said that about a French team, have we, from the group stage exits of 2002 and 2010. Deschamps wouldn't be the first person to win a European Championships and a World Cup, both as a player and a manager. That could be only settled now in 2024 if Deschamps is to stay there, which now it seems unlikely. Croatia and Spain and the other match from Magic Monday wouldn't go to penalties. Pedri with one of the, we said Dubravka's own goal was free kick. This one was even worse. A pass back from 50 yards to Unai Simon went through the goalkeeper's foot and then Spain came alive. They were 3-1 up. Orsic and Pasalic dragged Spain back though into the mire. 3-3 into extra time. And then finally, in one of the great redemption stories really, Alvaro Morata finally overcame the abuse with a cushioned chest down a volley into the, into the roof of the net. He scored the winner on 100 minutes. Mikel Ayatabal made it five of course and Spain for the first time in nine years were to play in a major tournament quarter final as it were. The entertainment of Monday was stripped back for the nerves of Tuesday. England versus Germany at Wembley. No knockout stage win against Germany for England for 55 years and of course we all know what match that was don't we? Those nerves were seemingly over. Raheem Sterling got his third goal of the tournament, a tap-in inside the box. Three goals for England, all of them scored by Raheem Sterling, but it looked as though he'd thrown it away, gifting Thomas Muller the ball, and Muller with perhaps one of the misses of the tournament. Skews the ball wide, and just when it seemed that Germany were going to drag England back, England won the game 2-0. Harry Kane even got his tournament underway after what was a sloppy and turgid start from the... Uh, from the Tottenham man up front, and it was with the 2-0 win over Germany in a knockout phase. Another monkey off England's back 
Germany finally beaten after the ghosts of 1990, 1996, 2010 and even more. There's too many to count really. And in the final last 16 match Artem Dovbik provided perhaps one of the most underrated moments of the tournament in Glasgow against Sweden first bit of football for him all tournament scored on 121 minutes to send Ukraine through to the quarter final after the game was changed with a horror tackle which sent uh, Marcus Danielson off for a straight red card Ukraine of course would play England and it was a match in Rome England away from their home comforts, but the match is where it all came together for England. Harry Kane was at the double. England got two set-piece goals from Harry Maguire with his slabhead and Jordan Henderson with his first England goal after missing a penalty in the pre-tournament friendly, of course. England had scored four goals for the first time in the knockout stage since, well, of course, we know that game as well, don't we? England would meet Denmark in the semi-finals, who were to be extremely leggy after scraping a win against Czech Republic in Baku. Jakim Milo with one of the assists of the tournament for Kasper Dahlberg, two players who had grown extremely well into the tournament, taking on the load alongside Mikkel Damsgaard after the, of course, collapse of Christian Eriksen in the first match of their tournament. Spain, meanwhile, were taken to extra time again and fear struck into their hearts. Penalties, they had a rotten record. They'd missed five in a row from open play. Um, Thankfully for Spain, Alvaro Morata, who missed a penalty against Slovakia from the spot, wouldn't be taking one in this shootout. However, Sergio Busquets missed a sixth penalty in a row for Spain, and Rodri missed as well. But fortunately for Spain, Switzerland were even more horrific with their spot kicks than they were. Manuel Akanji and Fabian Scher, who both scored against France the week prior, were too timid from the spot. Ruben Vargas, of course, blazed wildly over and Spain somehow escaped to a semi-final, the first one, of course, since 2012. And in the contender for game of the tournament in Munich, where, as we know, all good Champions League games are played, see PSG versus Bayern, Real Madrid versus Bayern for those ones, Nicolo Barella and Lorenzo Insigne funded goals in against Belgium. Meanwhile, Kevin De Bruyne and Eden Hazard, who started the tournament injured, would end it injured, unfortunately. Hazard out with a muscle injury from the previous game and Kevin De Bruyne seemingly, I still don't know how, playing through torn ankle ligaments. They would lose 2-1, however. Their golden generation out again early and other quarterfinals in the Euros for them where they would fall. And it seems as though very much a line in the sand, maybe Roberto Martinez would leave following fellow Benelux manager Frank Dubois and leaving his nation's team. However... It looks as though he could be on course to still manage the Red Devils until the 2022 World Cup. So, the semi-finals were set. The stage was set. Wembley, Italy, Spain, England, Denmark. No team had ever won multiple penalty shootouts in the same Euros. So, Spain were out to call that stat, especially after Alvaro Morata had rescued Spain from the bench after Federico Chiesa's sublime opener. What a penalty, what a goal that was. However... Alvaro Morata would, of course, turn from hero to villain. Equalising with 10 minutes on the clock, he would, of course, miss. The crucial spot kick after the likes of Locatelli and Danny Olmo missed their spot kicks early on in the shootout. And Spain, despite a great performance, easily their best performance of the tournament, just as they were getting going, Pedri, inarguably the best player, best young player of the tournament for me, should win that award, if there is an award for that this time round. And just as they were getting going, they were out. And Italy, on the face of it, you cannot argue against against it, really. Some people have lamented this as the real final of the championships, where Italy have probably played the best tournament, football at the tournament. 
perhaps second or third in that line for me at least, outside of Spain, were England and Denmark, and that was the other semi-final, of course. The worry beforehand for England were, what if they fell behind? Well, we found out on half an hour, didn't we, with Mikel Damsgaard inflicting England's first wound, their first goal conceded, scoring a stunning free kick past Golden Glove winner Jordan Pickford. However, England would hit them back off course immediately, Bakayo Saka giving the ball to Simon Kier to put into his own net. England were dragged to extra time. All four European Championship semi-finals held in England have gone to extra time, of course, after the 1996 semi-finals between France and Czech Republic and England versus Germany. And we all know how they ended, don't we? This one wouldn't end in a penalty shootout defeat for England, though. Penalty or not, it fairly soft against Raheem Sterling. England deserved the win on the face of it. You might call that bias, but oh, oh well. Harry Kane stepped up, he scored, and it was a first final in 55 years for England. And would they win it? Well, we just don't know yet, do we? Because today is that day where we found out. In roughly 12 or so hours, we'll either be celebrating or commiserating from an England point of view. And of course, tomorrow, we will be covering that in full. And of course, looking back on the tournament in terms of goals, moments, best players... And of course, the real winners who will be Italy or England, of course, will be there tomorrow, as ever, with the Euro Daily Podcast, the final, the 36th and final episode. And until then, silly, football is coming home. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.